Hello, hello, welcome back. It's Tony here. How are you doing? The daffodils are out and the lambs are in the field. <laughs> to me, that means spring has officially sprung. Everything's a bit more sparkly. I love sparkle at Christmas, but a little spring sparkle definitely puts a spring in my step. Oh my God, so many springs around here. And I've got this new energy about me. We are in the midst of Get High Boot Camp over in Lit Up Leisure Academy. This is the time to join. We are a couple of weeks in. You can just squeak in any later than this week, though. And it's probably like you can join because all the recording's there for every member whenever they need it. But you won't get all the mentoring. So if you're after a new job, now is the time to join Lit Up Leisure Academy to participate in our eight-week boot camp. Go over to tonycollis.com forward slash academy to find out all about it. But that's really energizing me is kind of my point here, right? <laughs> I just going through this work with these ladies is just incredible. We're having so much fun figuring out what they want to do. And then actually realizing that they're all damn qualified and, and doing great things and just turning up to interviews with that attitude is so, so powerful. So I've got a really exciting spring in me right now, no pun intended, for those, those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, I'm sorry that you're going into fall. Maybe you love it. I love fall. I love autumn. Love the colours. But after a cold winter, a cold wet winter this year in Scotland, I'm so, so, so very ready for a bit of spring. And we are here, which actually is a beautiful segue into today's topic, which is about transitioning from being a peer to a boss. So you might not be going through my boot camp for how to get hired, but you might be thinking about getting a promotion. Or maybe you've recently had a promotion and you are in that territory of, I'm now the boss of people that I was a peer with before. What do, what do I do? That's what I want to talk about on today's podcast. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership and discusses the work that we do and the tools we need to thrive in our careers. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. But being a woman in tech today still isn't straightforward, and rising to the top of your career as a woman is still full of barriers. So join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, and meet guests who are trailblazers in their own right, having broken through the glass ceiling to achieve their goals. Let's explore what it takes to be a great leader, how to navigate the experiences we face as women, and how we can lead the charge in tech and pave the way for future generations. Sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. This is the Leading Women in Tech podcast, and I'm excited to have you with us. This is not uncommon for those of us who are high achievers, who are, you know, just getting up there in our careers and, and wanting to do more things. But it's also not uncommon to want to hold on to that comfort and familiarity and transitioning from something comfortable in the present, which then when we get to that new job, we're like, this isn't comfortable anymore. This is, how do I work with these people when I was their friend before? And we want to keep being their friend. There's no exception to this, wanting to hold on to comfortable when we transition from being a colleague to a peer. So we look for comfort in all parts of our lives. And when we make this transition from colleague or peer to boss, we're still looking for that comfort. And that can really derail us. Because chances are, if this has happened to you, you became a boss through internal promotion. You've worked hard at securing that promotion. And you hope that the team that you're with will be supportive and happy for you. But sometimes that's just not going to be the case. 
even with potential work friends. And this is where I think so many of us fall down because we get promoted and we treat the people as if they are still our work friend in exactly the same way they were before we got promoted. But your co-workers, even if they're your friends, may find it difficult to adjust to your new role. If you keep treating them the same way, it's very confusing. So I want to really talk about this transition, what to expect and how to navigate it and how to avoid some obvious blockers along the way. Because you may well have colleagues championing you to get that promotion, which is fantastic. Or they could be quite upset by this promotion. Whichever it is, though, it may well be that although you've got promoted and they might have been championing you, that when you then actually get there, maybe they're not so happy. It could be that they've applied for the same role or they don't like your style of management, even though they liked you as a peer. There's all sorts of things going on. But sometimes this takes us really by surprise. Your transition from colleague to boss must be handled effectively and efficiently. And there is a way to pave that way to success if you're well prepared for it. So one of the things I'm passionate about talking about is our first 90 days in any role, this transition season in our careers. It's one of the most important seasons in our careers is our transitioning. And our internal promotion has its own unique set of challenges and barriers. And that's really what I want to address by talking through what happens, what we need to be doing so we can set expectations. Because unlike when you start in a new company where a lot of the first 90 days is focused on understanding, you likely already understand a lot of what you're taking on. There's a new level of understanding because you won't have seen all the pieces of the puzzle before you're promoted necessarily, especially politics, even if you've been privy to the entire strategy. But the understanding shifts in the sense of the people. So you've got a different challenging situation from those who are landing in a new job in a different company. So I want you to come up with an element of curiosity around this. You've got to be curious about the expectations of the people that you're now going to manage because they have expectations based on who managed them before. They have expectations based on the relationship they had with you before. And when you start managing them, their expectations are going to be unfulfilled because none of us, nobody (laughs) can read somebody else's mind, but they will have expectations, rightly or wrongly, they will because they're human. They will find your style is different from what they're expecting or different from their previous boss. I'm going to talk about more of that in upcoming episodes as I interview guests who've gone through transitions and their first 90 days and their role and digging into what to expect in, in a new role. But This episode is about learning how to help yourself and how to help others around you as you transition, whether you've been promoted internally or as an external candidate, but it's even more important when you're moving up internally and your peers are comparing you to your previous boss or your current boss because they also got promoted and they still see you as their peer. Whatever situation brought you into this new role here today, you need to manage your expectations and boundaries. Those that you start managing need to understand that you're different from the person that was previously managing you and your peers, and they need to know you're different from the person you were when they were your peer, which is kind of awkward. (laughs) You need to be transparent about this potential awkwardness as well, by the way. There's this transition is going to take some time. You want to take the time with your team so that they see who you are today in this role rather than who you were last week when you were their peer. And it can be very beneficial to do that in one-on-one meetings. So just because you know everybody doesn't mean you shouldn't hold those one-on-ones that we do when we join a new company, where we go around and we talk to everybody. You absolutely have to do that in your first week, even if it's an internal promotion. You want to be talking about them. You want to understand 
their concerns about you taking on the role, offer a way forward, allow them to voice their opinions and allow them to talk about the opportunities they want for their career and for their team, especially if they were one that didn't get the job that you've now got. Talking one-on-one and to your whole group about your vision also really helps to establish your credibility. So you want to go in, especially if you've been promoted, hopefully you've had a bit of a runway and part of that runway should be talking with your previous boss, the outgoing boss, what is it that you're going to be taking on and building that vision? This is where you're a little bit different from the traditional first 90 days model where you're doing that in your first 90 days. If you're getting promoted, you want to try and do as much of that as possible prior to your first 90 days so that as you were in your first week, you can share your vision to establish your credibility, your authority as that new boss. Because when you're new to a role, new to a company, I should say, you have a little bit of grace. People expect you to not know everything. If you've got promoted, they expect you to know everything and more, more than is actually realistic. So you want to ideally have your vision and strategy for this new group that you've taken on managing, that you've been promoted to supervising as a you know, previous period, now their boss. You want to have ideally got your vision and strategy in place. So that first week, part of your credibility establishment routine is sharing that vision, sharing what's going to be different, you're going to have a ton of ideas. <laughs> Everybody I coach through transitioning has this problem. I think it's part of the work I do because I work with extraordinary people. By the way, you are one of those if you're listening to this podcast. Ambitious, driven, lots of ideas come from that. And so you're going to have lots of ideas for how to manage and help your team succeed and how to turn something around, how to change things. I want you to just be cautious here. I want you to treat this the same way you would if you were in an external company, which is you want to tread lightly at first before you impose big changes. That doesn't mean that you don't have those big ideas and you should have a head start because you're new to the team. But you've got to establish your authority first without stepping on toes or ruining relationships. But at the same time, the nuance here is you don't want to be their friend, (laughs) which if you've come up through the ranks, some of these people that you now manage may well be work friends. And it can be really complicated to now be their boss. You really, really want to avoid the trap of allowing these people to continue behaving exactly the same way they treated you when you were their peer. And one of the things I want to point out here is I think this is harder for us as women still than men. One, because we are inherent people pleasers because of our social conditioning. Really hope that's something that's going to change with the next generation, but I don't know. I think little girls are still told to people please, sadly. So if you are a people pleaser, this is harder. It's really hard to put your foot down with your friends and be like, no, no, I'm your boss now. But also the other thing that tends to be against us here is as women, we have a less innate authority. Typically, one of the challenges we have is that people view us as somehow less. There's that unconscious bias going on. By the way, including women, I am biased against women. I hate it and I do all this work. And yet if I do unconscious bias tests, I come out as biased against women despite all the work I do. It is human to have biases. That doesn't excuse them, by the way. Like that is not an excuse to be biased at all. That's a whole topic for another day. But you do need to appreciate that we all have biases and what we should all be doing is managing them. (laughs) It's kind of like off topic. But you have to assume that everybody in that room has biases against you. And the classic ones, not everybody will have them, but the classic ones are that women shouldn't be authority figures, women are less technically capable. Those are the standard Western prejudices against women. Um, A majority of the human race has those. 
doesn't make them acceptable. We do have them and we have to manage that. So you have to assume that your peers are going to look at you a little bit less favorably than they would a male peer who has done the same thing. Rightly or wrongly, that is part of the equation you've got to navigate. Now, the good news is that's going to make you lift yourself up to that high level, that silver lining I talk about. We're held to the unfair standard, but what it makes us do is be amazing. (laughs) So hold on to that when you get irritated and angry. That's what I do. It's unfair, but hey, it's going to make me awesome as a result. If men did all this stuff, they would be so much better. We are forced to be this much better, which is why we stand out from the crowd, okay? So silver lining, try and let go of the anger. Can you tell I'm a little bit like, that's unfair? So I want you to recognize you can't afford to walk into that room and allow your friends to behave the same way they did last week. If this is your first week in that new role, your friends have to treat you like the boss. This is not a peer negotiation. This is not a democracy. I say to my clients all the time, this is not a democracy. And you need to hear that as walking into a room as a new manager of previous peers. They need to know from day one, this is not a democracy. That doesn't mean you're going to dictate everything. That doesn't mean this is a dictatorship. This doesn't mean you're not going to hear them. But they need to know that they can't say no to things. They need to know they can't push back on everything. You need to make a clear stand on day one that you are going to set the tone and the vision. So I want you to identify as few small changes you can make in the first week and then do so. But hold off on the bigger ones until you have the credibility, maybe the time to gather input and get buy-in. So you want a few small things that really irritate you, but they're small changes. And you're like, hey, this is one of the things I'm going to roll out straight away. This is what we're going to be doing. This is what we're going to be doing. Not, this is what I think we should do. Or what do you think about X? This is not a democracy. You're not asking for input. You're saying this is what is happening. (laughs) It's not that you're going to do something big. When we do something big, we will be asking for input and advice and guidance and views and opinions, although we're not then going to say, what do you think about implementing it? We're going to do it at the data gathering stage to get a good buy-in. But they need to realize that there are some things that are not open for debate. This is going to start distancing yourself from your peers. This is quite deliberate, even if it's painful for you. That isn't to say that you become aloof and unavailable, but keep in mind that your peers who once may have been your friends Well, your relationship with them is going to change. It can be challenging when you've been friends with somebody and now suddenly you're their boss. It can be hard to step away from that friendship. And it can be very tempting to treat those people differently. That, my love, is not your job. I would say that being upfront and fully transparent about your expectations and boundaries, continuing communicating that is going to help with this transition. But you have to be aware you may well lose friends. You may well feel let down because some people are just going to stop being your friend and you're not sure why. And other times you just have to be really cautious because things you previously have shared with a peer who is your friend and maybe had a bit of a gossip with or just a bit of a rant about something that's happening, you can't do that anymore. We should be able to have friends at work, yes. But in the same way that outside of work, you might have a friend who you never talk about this to because that triggers them or... You've got another friend who you never bring two friends together. There are certain topics with certain friends you just don't bring up. That applies at work too, right? You need a filter for all of our friends, even our partners. I mean, I think I have a really healthy relationship with my husband, but there are some things, it's not that I'm lying to him. I just don't think there's any point in bringing it up because it's just going to trigger him. And it's for my benefit to bring it up, not for his. 
So I'll take it to a friend or another family member. And I want you to apply that common sense at work too. The challenge is that this relationship has shifted. So last week, something might've been appropriate. This week, it's not. And that is really, really hard for us to get right. So for the first month, I want you to be cautious at times because we don't always have those boundaries that we need with our personal friends. We should have boundaries. You likely already had boundaries with that friend at the workplace. If you didn't, that's a problem because we should all have boundaries with our friends in the workplace. We have to be really careful what we gossip about at work. So always be aware with any friendships that have developed that at one point when you become manager, that that friendship is going to change. Now, when that changes, they might immediately not like it, or they might only not like it when you stop sharing things with them, or you should elevate your leadership, at which point you're going to realize things you were saying before are no longer appropriate, full stop. So even if you could share it with that individual, suddenly you're like, actually, no, I just don't talk about that. That's wrong. And they might not see that because they don't have the perspective you do. That's why you've been promoted. So I want you to be very, very cautious. Have conversations with your peers and let them know that you value their friendship so that you are transitioning your friendships as well. But when at work, you need to be the boss and they need to respect that. Everybody around you needs to respect the fact that you are in this position. Outside of work, you can still be friends, but avoid talking about work outside of work if in doubt. When you become a mandarin in that context, you are not their friend. And you need to set that line for yourself as much as for them. You need to check yourself on whether you are giving into things because you want to maintain that friendship and camaraderie. Think about what's more important to you. If maintaining your friendships is more important, then maybe you shouldn't become the boss. It's something to think about as you progress, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the thing that dictates what you do. Your role as a boss could potentially damage your friendship. So if that's really, really important to you, consider whether or not you want to be promoted internally or if instead you should go elsewhere. Every single time I've seen anybody promoted to manage a friend, that friendship changes. It might not be a bad change, but it can change and it will change. If you don't want it to be changing, it's time to look at going elsewhere to get that promotion. You can help protect your friendships by making sure things go really well, though, by minimizing the number of problems at work. You could potentially minimize the number of issues in your relationships at work as well. And maybe you just need to accept and embrace that the parameters around your friendships and relationships at work will change, have changed. When you once shared a friendship, it may become more and more apparent that the work you share with your friend will now be the landscape of your friendship and hope you will be able to work on something together that you both find important and interesting. Now, the other issue is when we have somebody who's been unfortunate in that they wanted to go for this role and there's some resentment and jealousy because they didn't get the role, but you did. And this might not be a friend. If it has been a friend, it's a lot of what we've just talked about before, but with this as well. If it's not a friend, the main thing you're going to have to deal with is their emotional regulation around this. And if they've not got good behavior in the first place, which might be why they weren't promoted. There's all sorts of reasons why these people aren't promoted. Maybe one of them is they don't have a good emotional regulation, at which point you need to be aware that they may well lash out in some way. It definitely adds a layer of complexity for you to navigate. So how do you tackle that? Well, sometimes you just need to have a tough conversation. You need to say, look, hey, here's, here's what I'm seeing going on. Here's the behavior that I'm seeing happening. And I want to give you space to go through this but at the end of the day, I still need you to do your job. One of the reasons why people get let go after promotions 
is because of bad behavior in these situations. So you want to give them some time to adjust, but be okay if they really just disappoint. It's not on you. It's not your job to make them feel better. It's a stair job. They're an adult. It's important to help people feel valued and heard in their feelings. But at the same time, it's not your job to make them do their job. I don't want you falling into the trap of micromanaging. And I definitely don't want you falling into the trap of letting poor work go unchallenged because you're afraid of having that hard conversation around actually like, hey, you're into performing. You don't have to call out necessarily why, because you don't know why, you're guessing why. But hey, you're underperforming. Here's here's where I would like to have a conversation with you about what can we do moving forwards. And I think sometimes we just need to have a quiet conversation, say, I know this is an interesting change for us both. I'd love to know what you're hoping to see moving forwards now that I'm stepping into this role. And just hear out their concerns. This isn't the same thing as saying, you can do whatever you want. I'm going to give in or what would you like me to do? but it does allow them to be heard and validated. And then you can let them know that you will think about it and get back to them later regarding your decision or your plan. Let them know that you want to see them succeed. This is really, really important. You want to make sure that they understand you're not here to beat them down and say, hey, hey, I got this job and you didn't. You want instead for them to know that you're here to lift them up, to push them forward and to do great things as a team. They want to be validated in that they're here still. They've still got a contribution to make. You've got a plan that they are going to be involved in rolling out. Let them know and they will do what they can to help you eventually once they've emotionally regulated. I want you to continue having one-on-ones regularly. This should apply irrespective anyway, but it's very, very key in these early days of a new role where you've been promoted And be aware that you are going to be doing a lot of change management in this first month. Normally, if it's your first 90 days in a new company, the first month is getting to know your team, but you're not going to change very much. That happens in month two and month three. That's where your change management really, really starts. When you're promoted, change management starts on day one, just like that, right here, right now. And it's important to give them space to go through those cycles of getting normalized to this new situation before then actually learning how to perform. Remember the Tuckman model that we talked about in a previous episode and giving that space for feedback, emoting, understanding their concerns, the needs of the team so you can course correct as appropriate. And it, as I said, you may well have to have tough conversations. If that's the case, tune in to episode 150 coming in a couple of weeks because I'm going to dive into how to have those tough conversations. And hopefully that will help you have better conversations much more easily. As always though, I want to finish up with some mindset stuff because this is a very hard transition. I don't think anybody would say anything other than that. I actually think getting promoted internally is way harder because of the emotional turmoil it creates than going to a new company. I think a new company, you have this whole new experience situation. It's it's a beautiful place to be. So here's the mindset if I want to leave you with It can be really lonely when you get promoted, but you're going to be okay. We hear it can be lonely at the top a lot of the time. And I think that actually comes about because quite a lot of the time it's to do with promotions and we leave friends behind. You may well need to find new work friends. It may well be that peers who were friends before, it's too complicated for them. When you become a boss, you will become privy to confidential information that you can't share with your team. There may be challenges that you're going to face Challenges that your teammates won't be able to understand and relate to. So it's important to find friends at that same level as you with whom you can discuss those challenges. 
And sometimes it's worth building that community outside. It's one of the reasons I love the community inside Lit Up Leisure Academy, because while we have to be mindful about business confidential stuff, yes, we can't just gossip about it all. We can share stuff that you couldn't share with your team because you can share in an abstract manner and people aren't going to understand when they're not in your company. And therefore you can build friendships that are going to support you professionally who with people at the same level outside the company as well. If you can branch out your teammates for friendship, you have an easier time maintaining professional boundaries with your teammates and be able to share experiences with those at the same level and where you're going to go as well. And remember that going from peer to a boss is an easy transition on paper, but it's really, really hard to make that adjustment for both yourself and your teammates in reality. But hopefully this discussion today will make this transition a little bit easier. I am going to be discussing first 90 days more in the next couple of episodes. So in fact, our next episode is a very special one. I've got two of my clients coming on to discuss their first 90 days in recent roles they've taken on. And then in two episodes time, so a couple of weeks time, we're going to be discussing the first 90 days in a row and the recipe for success you need to do. So today's episode is very, very specific around transitioning within a company and really the nuances to that. But you need to put that together with what I'm going to be talking about over the next couple of episodes on your first 90 days in any new role. Remember, until next time, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.